Welcome to the Growth Cap Podcast, where we chat with CEOs, investors, and other key industry leaders to uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. In this episode, we chat with Gina Bianchini, the CEO and co-founder of Mighty Networks, which is a SaaS platform for creators and brands to start and grow communities. Gina shares her insights into the mission of Mighty Networks, the value of good investors, and her entrepreneurial journey. The company is backed by Owl Ventures, Intel Capital, Sierra Wasatch Capital, and others. We hope you enjoy the show. Gina, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a delight to connect with you. Would love to start off with how you went about starting the company and the direction to move in and the idea to pursue. I have been working in basically this one area. I think about it as like I picked my lane a while ago. And the lane that I absolutely am obsessed with is how do individuals and communities come together to create or master something interesting or important to them? So communities built around interests, passions, goals that are owned by the creator and or the community that really unlocks deeper and more interesting connections. So we think about what we're building and the opportunity as how and where do we bring people together such that the power of that community, again, whether it's about the connections being made, whether it's about the conversations, whether it's about courses and learning together, gets more valuable to every member with each new person who joins and contributes. And how do we at Mighty Networks unlock that value, both for the members and we call creators and brands and entrepreneurs who use our platform hosts, because essentially they're hosting their courses, they're hosting their community, they're hosting their subscriptions. That's why we do what we do is people are awesome. And people are awesome in their uniqueness. They're awesome in what they want to discover and build and create together. And we passionately believe that the next generation of platforms that unlock communities that are creating and mastering something interesting together will not look like today's chat and channel approach, but rather bring more and more pieces of the puzzle together build intelligence on top of those different disparate features that are all about how are we helping people connect to the most relevant members in that community, break the ice, bring them back to build relationships that are not just meaningful, but productive. And that's what gets us up every day and what we're really excited about with what we're building at Mighty Networks. I got to imagine this is an interesting time to be in the business you're in, given the pandemic and folks were probably thinking of ways to build their own communities. They were probably thinking of ways of starting their own business and leaving their maybe corporate gig. Can you talk about who are the hosts on Mighty Network? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about the hosts on Mighty Networks as creators with a purpose. We are not the platform for, I talk out at you, I want to perform, I want you to watch me. We are a platform that is seeking to unlock how do I bring people together? And then the relationships are between the members as well as me, but really 
It is about the members and the relationships that they're building. And by the way, this is all something that our creators, entrepreneurs, and brands own. So for example, one of my favorite, not that I have any favorite, Mighty Networks, is something called the Slow AF Run Club. And it is for people, it's led by a creator named Martinez Evans. He refers to himself as a back-of-the-pack runner. His Instagram account is 300 pounds and running. He just finished the Boston Marathon and is now writing a book, not because he's got 40,000 Instagram followers, but because he's got a community that, especially during the pandemic, but certainly even now, came together to do virtual races. So they would basically go and run their races on their own and then come back and let Martinez and the rest of the Slow AF community know about what they ran. And then he sent them a medal and what you would get if you were finishing a marathon together. These kinds of communities, they have, they really have a clear ethos to them. They are creators, entrepreneurs, and brands that want to own, not rent. So they are not about just renting audiences from social media. And they're perfectly positioned as we're moving into a world where ownership is not just for the creator in terms of what they're building, but the ways that they can create ownership models for their community members as well. Then in terms of the brands, what's really fascinating to me is the fact that large brands from TED to MindBody to we just signed a major foundation and others, they actually have the same desire for ownership as well. And it is the power of being able to bring people together with a very specific, we talk about as your big purpose, very specific motivation for the community. It creates a different kind of community. It's one that you can learn more effectively. It's one that the retention is higher. It's one where the activity is greater because there's a specific reason for us to get together. There's a specific thing that we want to learn. There's a specific thing that we want to build. There's a specific thing that we want to create. There's a specific thing that we want to master. And the single best way to do that is not by, again, renting an audience and competing in a war for attention post by post on social media or going all the way to super experimental models. There is something in the middle. And what that is, is a community that is powered by a network effect, powered by the ability for the host to create something that the members are making more valuable with each new person who joins and contributes. And by the way, more valuable both to other members and to that host. So now as an investor in SaaS companies, if you look at your target market, presumably you want as many hosts as possible. You want them to thrive on your networks or platform, I should say, so that they have an extremely long, hopefully infinite runway to continue on with their business. And I would think as time goes on, there's going to be more and more hosts on the platform. Is that what you're seeing? Oh, yeah. Here's what's exciting to me is that, again, we don't view ourselves as a community platform or or courses platform. We view ourselves as a network effect platform. And our goal as a network effect platform is to make it easier and easier for a host to set up a mighty network, invite in just a handful of members, not to go and build a whole following and like compete for attention, just bring together a handful of followers to become members and start to build relationships with each other. 
And that is the kernel of that network effect, that host network effect, the members creating value for each other. So as we make that easier, first by bringing more features together and then layering on top of those features, smarter and smarter ways for us to connect those handful of members and for those handful of members to invite more members in and for that network to get more valuable because they understand the value of it. That then expands both the value of that network and also has a wonderful side effect, which is our own flywheel. Because what happens for Mighty Networks is a host comes in, they find out about Mighty Networks, potentially word of mouth or a search. They invite their members in. Guess what happens? Percentage of those members become hosts themselves. So we actually have a really nice organic flywheel at the core of what Mighty Networks is just by the nature of the kind of platform that we are building, a network effect platform. Then we also believe that as we make it easier and easier for more and more posts to be successful, members to get more and more value, to make contributions that fit beautifully into, again, ownership and equity models as well, that we have the ability to unlock more and more community value across the ecosystem. Have you found that hosts are able to then set up a highly successful business? Okay, so get this. We just got these numbers, so I'm super excited about it. 77% of Mighty Networks that offer paid plans sell paid plans. 77%. So that basically means the probability that somebody who comes and shows up and sets up a paid course or a paid community on a Mighty Network is going to sell it. Now, let's take that one step further. What do you think the average amount of money being generated by these networks are? The average amount is $1,000 a month. By the way, that's with 25 people. So about 70%, again, it's a power locker of 70% of our mighty networks that are generating revenue are generating revenue with 25 people or less. At 25 people, they're making $1,000 a month because they're charging a higher rate. They're charging $40 a month. Why can they charge $40 a month? Because it's more than chat and channels alone. It's not just a chat whizzing by you with a bunch of DM spam. It is about how are we building those relationships between members? So to get that same $1,000 a month on Substack, which again, has great energy around, it's super easy to start, super easy to generate $1,000 on Substack. Well, guess what? On Substack, you still have to get 300 subscribers. And churn is higher because it's all on you. If you stop producing content, people are not going to subscribe to you. Whereas on a mighty network, because you're building a network effect, the value you are creating is as much between members that you've brought together as it is your own contribution, your own content. On YouTube, as a contrast, and this also speaks to why there's so much energy around new community models kind of being called out in Web3 today is because on YouTube to make $1,000 a month, you need a million views. So going back to your earlier point about expanding the number of hosts, if you can be successful and create something of value to 25 people, and by the way, you're one step away from equity models as well and things that we will absolutely be building and integrating into our platform, you're future-proofing what you're doing. You're successful with fewer people. 
you're going to have higher retention, lower churn, and you're going to grow faster from a standing start. The other thing that's really interesting about these numbers that we found on Mighty Networks is of our top 250 revenue producing Mighty Networks, which by the way, are producing in the millions of dollars per year. What do you think the average number of followers they have across social media is? 5,000. 8,500. Only five of our top 250 revenue producing Mighty Networks have over a million followers on social media. So what that shows is this bridge from a world where people were renting attention on a system that's kind of rigged against them into, again, these experimental models, which are everybody owns and votes on the community. That's great. That will happen. But Mighty Networks is sitting as a bridge between those two worlds where hosts can start to own their own communities, their courses under their brand, instantly available on every platform super engaging, bringing members back into something that they own all the way through to being future-proofed for these kinds of future models. That's fantastic. Yeah, I can see how this is to be a very exciting place for those who have kind of an entrepreneurial bend and they're trying to figure out what their next step is. They have something to offer to the world. And so I see a bright future for the company. Tell us about your investors. We have a lot of investors that listen in on this podcast. The one question I love to ask is, tell us about the value that they have brought to your company, but beyond financial capital. Yeah. So first of all, I love the investors that I have, and they have brought a fair amount of capital to Mighty Networks. But I would say beyond that, the value is, I think as an entrepreneur, and I've now been an entrepreneur, this is my third company I'm hoping and believing that will be my last because I love what we are doing so much. And I believe in the power of unlocking a network effect for millions of people around the world in their own owned and operated communities. It is something that I still get head scratches about. I still get people who are like, I don't know what she's talking about. And so the thing that I believe that investors can do for entrepreneurs is just sometimes being like, I believe you. Obviously, they put their money where their mouth was. But on any given day, there is a column of exciting things happening and a column of not exciting things happening. And that's what success looks like in a rapidly changing market that you're defining. It's, again, like playing three-dimensional chess. And sometimes just investors that you know believe you that when they ask tough questions, it's because they're like, let's future-proof this. Let's do this. And I think early on, one of my seed investors, one of my two primary seed investors, I took money from first round capital in Floodgate. And I remember sitting in a meeting with Anne Maraco and Mike Maples at Floodgate. And the conversation turned to courage. And courage, I think, as an entrepreneur, seeing that in investors is one of the most powerful things in creating new categories that unlock true not just through wealth and returns, but the ability to change culture. And if you change culture, that's the game. So I'd love the answer to be, oh, being a part of a network of portfolio companies, all this stuff. honestly, the thing to me that has been the most valuable about the investors that I have had in the past and the investors that I have today is just the sense of we are creating something new together and there are going to be high highs and low lows. And let's just get to it. Let's go. What's been the hardest part about building a business? 
Well, I would say it's the opposite of, I believe you, especially when you're building something new. And again, it doesn't mean that people don't want to believe you, but I do think a challenge is when a vision of the way the world is going to operate is very clear to you. And one of the hardest things about this job is living in the future and then remembering that you need to bring people along with you and how to do that effectively and make those context switches, I think, continues to be something that is challenging. I would also say that being impatiently patient is also a really important skill and characteristic of successful entrepreneurs. I'm incredibly patient and incredibly impatient simultaneously. One last question I like to ask is tell us about someone who you really admire, someone who kind of has those leadership characteristics that you hope to emulate. Oh, that's a great question. There's not necessarily one single person. I've actually always found that it's important to like look across lots of different kinds of leaders to find what resonates, but also like mix and match, mix and match things that you learn from other people. So I am, for example, a voracious reader. I am always reading a biography. I am always reading a book about history or business. I love business stories. I just read, which was kind of dorky, but I just read the story of Ford in their second to last turnaround, which is actually quite a good book. But I think that there's something to pick up from everyone. So the way that I would answer the question is just the thing I'm the most grateful for in working in technology today when things are so dynamic is just that I have had the opportunity to work closely with complicated geniuses and that I can continue to learn from them without necessarily seeking to emulate them as CEOs or leaders. And I get to instead lead based on my own values and the things that I think are important for this moment with this challenge that we have of really carving out a new category of network effect platforms that are going to unlock a new level of creation, creativity, productivity, especially as more and more of us are living our lives online and building new things with people we've never met, but are the people that we want to know as opposed to the people that we already know. Mm -hmm. One last, last question, if I may. Sure. I noticed you went to Stanford GSB and they're well known for asking the question, what means most to you and why? And would your answer today be the same as it was when you applied? That's a great question. On one level, absolutely. It's the same, which is I want to always be somebody who can lead a team to build something new that makes the world a little bit better. Not a lot. I'm not looking to change the entire world, although it could be better. No, but (laughs) I have always had confidence in my ability to lead a team and to courageously build something that hasn't been built before. And I wanted to do that going into the GSB. I wanted to do that coming out of the GSB. I have done it in some respects. And I think that the future is so bright for, again, this lane of how do you unlock better communities and not be satisfied with chat and channels as the only way to really connect and build relationships with new people, people you want to know in communities that mean something to you, where each and every member of that community gets to build a present and a future that they want to build. 
Excellent. Gina, thank you so much for taking the time. I know our audience will find this very insightful. Thank you for having me. 